As much as I like to fight everyone, yeah, yeah. I'm having a pretty good time here. Why are you mad? Why are you mad? Why are you, Why mad? you mad? Hey, Louisa, what's up? Hey, Jake, how's it going? Good. Uh, just chilling, hanging out with Marie, my cat, and uh, doing all of my podcasts in one day. Um, watching the boys. I don't know what's going on with you. Oh man, um, I feel like nothing, but a lot. Um, I don't know. It's my birthday last week, and I've been kind of recovering since then. Uh, not so much as like a hangover thing, but just like. I don't know, too much socializing and uh, I don't know. I've been a little bit like disconnected from everything. I feel um, like things are going really well, but I'm disconnected from the things that are going on in the world. I'm like not, I don't know. I'm not online in the last week or so. I haven't, um, I feel like recently I haven't been going out. I've talked about this. I don't know. I'm disconnected. So you tell me what's going on. Tell me. I'm a, I'm a blank canvas to hear what's going on in the world everywhere that I have not been, Jake. Tell oh, me. you picked the worst week to tune out because oh yeah, uh, it's all happening right here in New York City. Ape Fest is happening. It's oh, which is, gross. Yeah, which is the the NFT crypto guys um, like thing. So they're a pyramid scheme, right? Board, right. Board Ape Yacht Club, which is like the the big famous NFT thing that everyone knows. Um, actually, that, I mean, I, I watched a really interesting like deep dive on them on YouTube recently, where this guy went into, and it's crazy. At first, it sounds really far fetched, but then he like literally shows you he solves all their puzzles and stuff on their website because they're very into like this uh, 4chan like online culture where it's all about like Easter eggs and stuff and puzzles and shit. So they. Um, you know, they're four douchebags who made a thing in college and then made a bunch of money off it. And they're all libertarian types or whatever. But they they embedded a bunch of Nazi Nazi stuff in like the art and stuff on those like monkey things like all like a like a, you know, a, a monkey will be wearing like an orange jumpsuit and it's it's they all have numbers and then like the number on the jumpsuit is the birthday of a fucking Nazi who died in jail or whatever. Just weird stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Um those people are obviously dumbasses and horrible and they started this pyramid scheme thing which is just all these you know nerds and naive global young mostly men uh got you know involved in this subculture it's weird their economy's crashing but they're just it's like this is a zealousness about it um they kind of you know believe it's gonna do a lot of things it's not going to do. Um, it's pretty fucked up. I mean, the government of fucking uh, El Salvador switched to like Bitcoin as their national currency. <laughs> it's yeah. like, crashing. It's like this terrifying thing. It's going to wreck the economy. But um, part of this, though, I did a deep dive myself and I w learned a lot about what it's like to be a, an ape, which is what the you know what you call yourself if you own one of those things and you're involved in the the world. And it's it's sad and also reminds me a lot of comedy. But they. Uh, one of the things they get to do is they get to come to New York every year. And if you have an ape, you get free access into this like festival. So it's like their Coachella, you know? Yeah. And it's funny because it's happening. And like, <laughs> I mean, I, I heard about it 
like some of the guests and stuff are secret, but like I've got kind of an ear in that world, you know. And like I heard about some shit, and then was able to Google and like find the videos of it, and like <laughs> they booked like um, LCD Sound System, which is like a famous band. It's like just sad, like oh, why are they doing this? You know, yeah. Probably got paid a lot of money. Um, they booked last year. They booked Aziz Ansari, um, and also like they they that kinda, one makes sense. Yeah, that one makes total sense, right? Um, they also, they're kind of, um, like Scientology in that, like, I, I learned recently that I think that, you know how like celebrities all have these things, they, they don't buy them. They always like, when you watch like Jimmy Fallon, he says, uh, and he talks about his NFTs. He says like, oh, I acquired one, my newest ape recently, or I got an ape. What's happening is that they give them to celebrities and then explain how valuable they are and how much they'll be able to trade them for. But they make mm-hmm. them sign an NDA that says, like, you can't say that we gave this to you. You have to kind of make it sound like you bought it, but you can't really say that. Either. Right. So, like, you just say, like, oh, I acquired an ape. So you'll notice that. And you hear him talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, also, Jimmy Fallon is there. <laughs> People are tweeting photos of him drunk and shit and, you know, hanging out with them and stuff. <laughs> That's funny. He's a notorious party animal. Um, but uh, they booked Amy Schumer this year. And it's really funny because, like, there's no women at this festival. She's, like, a girl boss comedian. It d- doesn't make any sense. And I found someone who took a video of her act while she was performing. And it's, like, you know, I mean, I literally just did, like, a bunch of live fest, like, this type of setup, you know, opening for Eve Six yeah. and shit. And I was, like, watching this. And I was, like, this looks like the this is worse than any of those went for me like this is this is a nightmare set what she's doing like there's all this distance between her and the audience and she's literally holding her set list which is on a piece of computer paper in her hand the entire time and just like slogging through jokes but like honestly like you can tell she I and mean, she's kind of joking about this too while she's doing it that she's like, I don't know what this is. I don't give a shit. They just paid yeah. me to be here or whatever. So she's phoning it in real hard, which on one level is funny because she's like bombing and she sucks or whatever. But on the other <laughs> hand, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you? <laughs> it's like, they're, this is insane. You yeah, know? I think it's totally fine. Yeah. It's, and it's actually better. This, I mean, yeah, it would be kind of sad if she was like out there doing her A, fucking trying her best. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, <laughs> but um, honestly, it's, I'm not that surprised, you know, that they would book her for this or that she would do it. Um, I think she's a business person, not an artist. And she will do the stuff that will get her paid and maintain her lifestyle. And, you know, um, and I tried to say that in the least judgmental way. (laughs) Uh, And um, I think also, it makes sense that they would book her because, you know, I think now maybe younger people think of Amy Schumer as like, corny and does like just like pussy jokes and whatever and maybe that's what she seems like now but she was sort of and is I guess like she was always um the a guy's girl yeah she was an edgelord yeah and she was like uh, you know, it doesn't mean she didn't have chicks. I guess this description fits me too. It doesn't mean she didn't have chick friends. It doesn't mean that she didn't support women. She's had women, you know, who she's friends with. She does the Amy Schumer presents and shit for them. But um, she came up at the cellar. She hung out with mostly men comics all the time. Her comedy was the type of comedy that like 
men laughed at and many women were embarrassed at at first. And then it that's what like gave her an edge. And then women came who did like comedy because people kind of forget that like live comedy very often is especially in clubs, ugh, which is like old people and shit. Yeah. Uh, it's very often like couples who it's not like the couples are both comedy fans. You get me? Yeah. Or like the both people in the comedy in the couple are comedy fans. It's like the dude is a fan of one of the people in the lineup and he drags his girlfriend to come see the show. Yeah, it's a fun thing about dating and especially monogamous dating is like everyone's just dragging the other person somewhere all the time. Something they hate. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. it's fucking ridiculous. They can't possibly like do something they enjoy on their own. It's so dumb. So the woman will like most of the time, you know, the woman would go to the show and sit there and it would be like no lie at a club all dudes like two hours of all dudes and then once in a while they would throw in a woman in there and it would maybe be an amy schumer it'd be a judy gold you know like an older woman that whatever talks about family or whatever or a black woman who talks about black woman stuff is the way the club guys you know what i mean so there's like one here and there that gets thrown in so most of the time when you're at a comedy club you see these couples where like the dude is like laughing his ass off and the woman is like cringing and is like horrified and every for every punchline looks away and is like, oh, like slapping the guy like that's not funny. Stop laughing. At <laughs> and it's just like the worst interaction. And then the only thing that could possibly make it worse is the comedian walking up to them to fuck with them for everyone else to laugh at. Like, it's not funny. You're all stupid that you have allowed stand up comedy to be turned into this because that's not what it is. But okay, fine. Then be mad that this is the kind of people that come to watch you. Whatever. I don't know. I guess I'm kind of fucking over stand up this week. I'm um whatever. Anyway, back to (laughs) back to Amy Schumer. So she um I think for a long time has been the woman comic that men, especially uh liberal, especially douchey, especially tech type dudes would throw out to say that they like women. Comics, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, or to say, like, other than Amy Schumer, no, none of them are funny. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> or, oh, I've seen Amy Schumer live. I like women, too. <laughs> Whatever. Um, so it's not surprising. And they fit in for each other. And I think it's fine. They, It's a symbiotic relationship. Yeah. Like, uh, I think she's a woman comic that represents something for that type of male audience. And they are an audience that represents money for a comic who wants money. This is kind of like how there are like, uh, like black comics who are like, uh, the, the part of where they exist market wise is uh, white people get to enjoy them and go, I like this one, you know, but yeah. like not watching like black comedy, you know, you're not going to like yeah. black shows and stuff, but you get to be like, I like Hannibal, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The fucking market aspects of this are just always the, fucking darkest most messed up rea- truths and realities yeah comedy's yeah. bad i hate it <laughs> it sucks yeah it's um oh man and and it sucks because i when it's happening in the room the magic i love it when it's really working it's like the most beautiful thing you've ever seen um but it's like i don't know i guess it's like you know how people say i don't really feel this way but you know how people say that like they feel bad after they jerk off that they feel like immediately guilty and dirty <laughs> yeah uh, I mean, there's a bunch of fucking whatever social and religious and whatever reasons for that. But that's kind of how I feel about stand up is that it's like, oh, it's so great when it's going great and I'm enjoying it in the room and it's fucking awesome. 
And then like the moment the show ends, it dissipates. Like, I don't know, the moment somebody goes up there and does a shitty job or doesn't take it seriously, it just poof, the moment went away. <laughs> you know, like, or the moment a, a comic shits on the room and acts like he's too good to be here. Uh, like, ah, you just like crush the whole like magic of what was happening. Yeah. It is like a delicate fucking thing in the air. I don't know. And so like, I do love it and I enjoy it, but increasingly all the shit around it is uh, frustrating and stupid to me and comes down a lot to like what we always talk about, which is what is art and what is business. And if we can't extricate the one from the other, then like how much are you willing to compromise on both sides to make both of these things work to e- with each other? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that's why allow me to switch to a little something totally. Let's just go crazy. I'm going to throw something out here and we'll talk about it. And then you can change to a completely different subject. <laughs> yeah. We'll just do a classic. Let's do it. This is going to be a classic, crazy. Uh, what is it? Miscellaneous episode. <laughs> um, because what I, yeah. Yeah. Because what I actually realized while you were talking and I was filling up with anger about stand up <laughs> was that I have been avoiding stand up stuff besides like the live show I'm working on. Um, and I've been watching horror movies. Right. Oh, yeah. So I've been like watching horror movies every day for like, I don't know, ever, but mostly for like the last year. Uh just catching up. I got really into Bloomhouse. So I made a spreadsheet of every movie that has ever been produced by Bloomhouse, by Jason Bloomhouse or Bloomhouse Productions or Bloomhouse's various subdivisions. <laughs> so I made this whole thing and I'm like ranking them and everything. It's, it's fantastic. I'm having a really great time, Jake. Nobody make fun of me for this. Um, so one of the things like doing this, sometimes I will run into a movie that is not Bloomhouse, whatever. And sometimes I will run into a movie that is Bloomhouse, whatever. So I've just been watching a lot of horror. And one of the main things that has come out to me is related to this sort of because it's not um, like uh, black and white ooh horror about artists stuff. Right. I want you to watch Creep so that we can talk about horror about artists. Creep one and two, both of them. OK, but anyway, they're on my list. Yeah. But this is going to be horror about something else, which is family. OK. And I bring it up because I've been like kind of accidentally, but sort of not uh watching a lot of movies that are horror movies that are about like very much about the fears and problems and fucking terrifying aspects and whatever of like parenthood of giving birth of getting married like of all the trad shit you know what i mean Uh and to me, they are fucking awesome and hilarious because I'm sitting there screaming like, dude, why are you doing this? <laughs> you know, like this is <laughs> Yeah, you're but, going, it's like a horror film where you go, don't go in there. Yes, exactly. And I'm like, don't get married. No, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're getting it. And so then I'm like, oh shit. So I started to realize like, Okay, so I watch these movies and because I'm not in the movie, I can like be like, oh, I can predict to the character like, don't do this. Like, it seems like you're in love with this person, but it's really that you are losing yourself and your identity in them. And we can take this to a horrible, horrible place. Right. And um, I was like, why? You know, it's not just this like separation of like I'm the watcher in this in the sense of this movie. But then also I'm the watcher in the sense of I'm not a trad. So I don't have the pull and desire and the expectation and the dreams wrapped around 
having a wedding one day, having a husband, having a baby, being a grandma, (laughs) you know, like none of that shit. Right. So for me, I'm like, obviously having a, like moving into a husband's house that his family owned for three generations and everybody's died is a big fucking red flag. But I would, that would never happen to me because I'm not ever going to marry anyone and move into their fucking ancestral home. Get the fuck out of (laughs) here. You know what I mean? So I don't relate in the same way that I don't relate to like white kids getting killed at a summer camp. And so it's fucking hilarious to me, (laughs) you know? Yeah. But I bring it back to comedy because it is the same thing where I feel kind of like a person stuck behind glass yelling at people to not go, don't open the door. The murderer is behind there. And that's the way that I feel about stand up. And I think that's why I'm so mad (laughs) is that I'm like, I don't know how to tell you to not go in the room where the murder is because the room where the murder is also has a million dollars in it for you. (laughs) So if you survive, you might get to keep some of the million dollars and that's what they keep telling you. So what does it matter if I keep screaming that there's a murder in there? You don't care. You don't care. And I'm an idiot and I'm ruining your fucking decision-making process by pointing out that there's a murder in there. The same thing with fucking all of this. But what's crazy is that sort of with the the same way that horror movies function in society is kind of like what comics and all of us in comedy are doing to ourselves, which is like making art out of our real fucking fears that are based in material reality <laughs> that are because of our choices, but also because of systemic things we can't change that are tied into our dreams and desires and expectations for our self-realization and like development as people, but then also like crushed by capitalism. But then we like sit there and make art out of it that has all the warnings that in the art, you know, like I hear comics make jokes about how comedy is terrible. Like you can't make money at this. Don't, don't ask me how much money I'm making it. Like all of you incorporate into your comedy or those of you who talk about yourselves in your life and your art, you do incorporate at some point making fun of comedy. But then you still do it. <laughs> Just like all these bitches and all in all these horror movies, still get married, still go and have the fucking devil baby, still go and do all the shit. Like, yo, have you seen Mother? No. Oh my God, Jake. I only just saw it this week and I'm blown away. It's like the most fantastic movie I've ever seen. Is that Aronofsky? Yeah. Yeah. I've heard it mixed things, but I'd rather watch it than just watch it. Yeah. No, I'm not going to tell you anything about it other than it is, it falls into this category where I don't know. Somebody replied to me saying that they thought it was something about like mother nature, fucking (laughs) something. And I'm like, what the fuck? No, it's not, bro. This is trad shit. (laughs) (laughs) It is literally um, a woman losing herself for a man who is an artist. He's a poet. Yeah. So she's like married to a poet. And they move into his ancestral house and she fixes up the old house while he, quote, writes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And this is where we start. And then the tension just fucking builds and builds and builds with her fixing up this house and him trying to write. And then it just becomes a horror movie from there. And then a baby is born. Like, it's horrible. It's just fucking a snowball, snowball of horror that comes from the very first decision of like, or not decision, but like the very first like step up that escalator path of like, this is life. 
you find a man that loves you and you give yourself to him and you make a home for him and you nurture his artistic side and then you have a baby for him and then everything will be magically great because he will love you and treat you as his virginal wonderful queen and then when that doesn't happen yeah it's fucking hell on earth horror stories and yet we all turn around and are like yo when are you gonna get married (laughs) you fucking morons i'm just like what the fuck (laughs) so what do you uh, what do you think of that before we even like go into talking about old which i do want to talk to you about because i know you saw that but Um, it's related to this it's one of the ones that i saw can i tell you about a movie i watched and see if there's anything overlapping here Mm -hmm. um okay so i watched the movie cruel intentions uh (laughs) have you ever seen Mm -hmm. that Mm-hmm. Yeah, it fucking rules. Um, it I mean, was... I haven't seen it since it came out. I don't think so. I don't remember. <laughs> I just remember. I mean, what's her face? Um, Sarah Michelle or... Geller as a brunette. Mm-hmm. Oh, psychopath. She's yeah. real hot. It's fucking great. Um, the premise of the film is that it's her. She's her and her stepbrother, stepbrother are, like, yeah. live together in this mansion on this campus at this college. And they're like, uh, you know, they're step siblings. Ryan Philippe. Philippi for everyone from the 90s. Thing. Real weird, nerdy <laughs> looking guy. But for some reason, I'm sure he's attractive to the women in the movie in the audience. I don't know. But he, um, he's not hot to me at all. But really it, was a, it was a thing in the 90s. Yeah. He looks like he's out of blood and his like mouth is. Like, yeah. And <laughs> like, he has like, a, you know, like a jerry curl. Yeah. And I'm like, why does a white guy have a jerry curl? It's so weird. But they're like evil, bougie, fucking rich people. And they, since they're steps, and they, they, they like fuck people for sports. They like manipulate yeah. people into situations where they and like bet on them. whether they can fuck someone or something like yeah, that. Yeah, right? and then like they, they are each other's like ultimate fucking you know forbidden fruit because they're like in the same family legally, but they're like not. But uh, they're fucking though, right? No, the premise of the film is she says, um, "Hey, there's this, this new uh, woman on campus. I'll make you a bet if you you should try to fuck her, and if you can't." Then, uh, or if you can, then you get to fuck me. Is the thing she okay. she goes? I know I'm the person you want to fuck most because you can't. Yeah, she's we're... such a little bitch. And then uh, she's like, "But if I win the bet, I get your car." Is the premise of the film. And so then he goes through this whole. They both go into all. They're both just horrible and stuff, and they go uh, through all these twists and turns of manipulating these like naive characters who are like young college students and stuff. And they're just, they're pure evil. It's really funny. It's a real hot movie. It's fucked up. It's borderline softcore pornography. Um, but and, but what's funny, it happens. Well, the ending of it is uh, he actually falls in love with the woman that he's trying to fuck. And then it like upturns the whole thing. And then he dies and all this stuff. Um, and he sort of gets redeemed. It does, the ending doesn't make any sense. But the important part of the movie for me, the part that was funny, is that I kept laughing because there's this recurring bit throughout the film where they have to put on the mask of sanity and like talk to people and pretend like that they're oh i'm interested in your major or whatever mm-hmm. and they go like yeah no so come to my house on friday night or i'll see you then and then oh, whenever shit. the person yeah. leaves the room they uh the ca- camera always lingers on one of these evil kids and they like drop the smile and they shudder yeah. and they go like oh, fucking dumbass you know like they yeah. they talk to you um for a second as the camera and they're like what a yeah. fucking moron because <laughs> they're evil right yeah i was thinking about this a lot because i started working again and i um i related to that moment because that's how i have to act at work when i um have to deal with a person as a emotional fucking, labor baby yeah and then i'm always like you know as soon as they leave the bar i'm like you fucking <laughs> fuck you <laughs> you know tip me one dollar or whatever and that's one of the joys of being in the service industry and having that camaraderie in the service industry right with other bartenders and shit like that because they all understand it right well i was thinking about this though because 
I feel like that movie and me, our shared moment is like an apex of opposite realities. Like, um, cause what's happening with me is that people will often tell me when I'm at work at a job, they'll be like, they'll find out I'm a comic or I'll tell them or something. And then they'll be like, Oh, you don't seem like a comedian at all. <laughs> and I'll yeah. be like, yeah, well, um, that's because I'm not actually your friend. Like I'm not actually when you're a bartender is like a stripper. Like if you're, smart you can still indulge in the fantasy that they're your friend but they're not actually your friend they are being paid to give yeah. you alcohol and entertain you and stuff and so i was talking to somebody about it and i was being honest and i was like i mean basically what's going on here is that the person that i have to be in order to do this job and the person i am when i'm doing stand-up are different people and if i was the stand-up me who is the actual authentic me like completely unconstrained i would not be able to get Paid. Like at a job. I would I'd not be, be getting you a drink right now. <laughs> I'd also be exactly. fired from my job because I wouldn't be getting yeah. you a drink and I would be telling you what I actually think about yeah. politics and all this stuff. Like I had another moment where I was um hanging out with these fucking regulars at the bar and they're real nice, you know, but they're just some people and we I was, you know, being a bartender to them all day and just like talking and indulging them and you know, listening to them talk about their band and all this stuff. And then we got off work and we started hanging out and I became myself when we were hanging out off work and I scared them with eventually we got into politics and I was yelling at them about how, um, you know, communism is good and capitalism is bad and the military yeah. industrial complex. We were talking about like 9-11 and I was explaining why it actually happened and stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, it was going into like Afghanistan and the fucking the uh, Taliban being armed because it's like they, they were fighting the, you know, Russia and the Cold War is stupid and we shouldn't have been doing it, all this stuff. And they, I like realized after a while like this person is like staring at me like, oh, I was like, oh, they don't like me anymore uh, because I'm my actual self here. Um, so what I'm thinking is like, so this movie is a bunch of evil people who are putting on the mask of good to, to deal with good people. And yeah. I'm like, I feel more like what's going on in my life is I'm, I'm right about stuff. I'm good. I'm having to put on the mask of, I enjoy being a capitalist worker. The system is good. Like a bad mask to have to deal with people around me. And that's, and it's fucking frustrating. Cause this same thing where you're like saying you're behind glass and you're yelling, don't go in there. It's like they see it the other way around <laughs> like they're never gonna understand that you're okay one of these chuds that wrote um an apples podcast apples, <laughs> multiple <laughs> apples podcast review about us saying that he hates it because this is a podcast where uh you just come to hear the following well i'm gonna prove you right jake i agree <laughs> <laughs> that's all i have to say about that i don't think it's the same at all i completely agree because um I uh the funny thing is that in our um Wait, what does the guy oh, say? Oh, that's what the uh, guy said in his review was just like, oh, if you want a podcast where it's just like people saying they agree with each other. <laughs> and it's like, okay, we constantly fight, but sure. Yeah, right. What do you uh, mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh so I agree, Jake. Uh let's make this guy feel right. Um it but you know, I think that our uh related to this. I think our um our weird fetishes should I hate saying that word. Fetishization. Yeah, I can't say it. I don't know why. It's not good. Uh making fetishes out of things um, <laughs> for uh authenticity has made it so that we believe that being authentic means having only one face or only one mask. When I would say to you that like the characters in that movie, 
were being authentic when they put on masks in order to manipulate people. Sure. They, you know, like they were being fake in the moment that they were pretending to that person. But the fact that they put them on when they need them to do what they do and that they show that to each other, that's them being authentic. You going to work and putting on a mask to be nice to some douchebag because he's ordering a drink from you and you're at work. That is authentic. It's Jake is a comic who has to have a job and he needs to not get fired. So this is a mask he has to wear to not fucking get fired. You yeah. know what I mean? So I, you know, I've been a person who has always said, has been saying, especially in this podcast, or I think we haven't talked about this in a long time, but the whole, um, I'm against the compartmentalization of self, right? I think that um, we all are multiple facets and multiple things. And sometimes those things are contradictory and it's been taught to us that the only way to deal with these contradictory parts of ourselves is to segregate them from each other and to pick one to be the real you and one to be the hidden you. And I think that that's what makes us sick. And that's what makes us bullies. That's what makes us mean. That's what makes us depressed. When instead we should be aiming towards like a unification of self that accepts that all these different sides of us are part of us and that they come out at different times and why do they come out and when are they useful and when are they harmful to me and to others, then we would be better versed in how to handle ourselves and how to read other people and how to see what is authentic in this moment and what is not. Right. And I guess it is related, you know, you, what you're saying about, um, what's that movie called? Uh, Cruel intentions. Cruel intentions. I was like irreversible desires. <laughs> I was like, I got it. <laughs> cruel, cruel intentions is that um, um, movies, man, I'm so right. I don't know. I feel so good recently about the fact that like I, I got into debt over my whole entire life. Like I'm, I'm going to die with this debt. And if I get a gravestone, I'm going to put my debt on my gravestone. Uh because I don't regret it, man. I read and learned all the things I wanted to learn. And I'm really happy that I spent so much time and money uh, studying art and artists and what they do and how they become and how they affect us. Because this is exactly what I'm talking about. I now like, look, I'm old as fuck. And I'm like, Jake, how, how crazy is it that we're, we can turn on the TV and there's like a bunch of movies out here saying the thing that I keep saying as a joke on Twitter, you know, like making fun of trads or whatever. And like I've had trads get mad at me and stop listening to the show and stuff because I'm making fun of them. But A, it's really stupid because the majority of humans on earth are traditional. That's what tradition means. It's that culture gets carried over and people carrying over traditions, right? Uh, even as they slightly change as time goes on. Um, but when I point out that tradition is bad in a lot of ways, it's not to say that the people who do tradition are bad. It's to say that the people who are unhappy under tradition don't need to be because you don't have to carry tradition. You can walk away from that shit. You can drop it on the floor and go do something else that makes you happy. That's all I'm saying. You can leave the people who want to do the traditional thing. It doesn't have to be destroyed. We don't have to burn churches. We're not, uh, we're not Ricky Gervaises. <laughs> you know, like it's not about destroying other people's idols it's about understanding that you don't have to bear the weight of carrying idols that make you sad that make you hate yourself that make you regret your life that make you wake up unhappy and unable to face life you know what I mean and then for you to act like someone like me pointing out this 
is the bad person instead of like, fuck, yeah, I fucked up. How do I mitigate the choices I've already made? Like, how do I make my life better if I've already chose, like already got married to the wrong person or already had a kid and I kind of regret it, but I still have to be a parent. There are ways to move forward from those things, but it has to start with you acknowledging that you're unhappy as a parent or that you're unhappy in this marriage, not with acting like anybody who points out that marriage isn't for everyone and that having children is not great is the bad guy. So then we go out and we have all this art that is specifically about these things. And I now I'm like, man, Jake, like, I just feel like me growing up, I didn't have this. And maybe I just didn't have the access to it. Maybe it was out there, but I didn't have art that showed me that traditionalism would strangle me. This is kind of a me. hacky point, but it's like true. I think is why it's so common and cliche is that like, a lot of what art does is communicate stuff that you would get fucking attacked for saying in plain Mm -hmm. terms or that you just psychologically can't come to say say, out loud. So you do this divination process. Like I was just talking, uh, I said a podcast with Andy from Antifada about the new Cronenberg movie, Crimes of the Future or whatever. Without getting into what that movie's about. I'm going to watch it tonight. We can do a a Patreon tomorrow about it. We should totally talk about it because I love it. It's one of my favorite movies. But um, but I was just talking about... But then you watch Mother too. And let's do a Patreon about Mother and Cronenberg. Okay, I... I'm gonna, I'm gonna knock out all the movies I'm supposed to watch this weekend, <laughs> and then we'll do and creep and creep too. Yeah, just fucking just a take a movies. bunch of acid and sit there and watch four movies straight. <laughs> Horror book that we're doing next week. <laughs> all right. Um, oh, in the book, yeah, exactly. Listen, I was talking about the um, well, my theory on him on Cronenberg and a lot of directors on um, Lynch. Uh, this is also how I think I come up with stuff. I think the artistic process, maybe not always is this but it this is one way of looking at it that i like a lot is that um you don't create like whenever people ask me like um like people will expect because i do left shit like oh i'm gonna be like a leftist comedian or they go like is your act all like you know we got to destroy capitalism and stuff and the answer is not yes or no it's a little bit of both because what's going on there is i if you sit down and you try to overtly start with the point of what you're doing and then work and then make a thing that towards the point you're gonna make bad art like that's lame it's usually not very um wealth you know it's just not artistic maybe you make some propaganda or some folk music or something like that whatever but generally that's not the process right um more but also you you can't do this thing that um you're not gonna get away with explaining it the way like fucking libertarian dickhead edgelords explain it where they go the only point is funny man the only point is funny i just sit down and i just fucking come up with it's funny because what's happening i think is like it's more like you are a being with thoughts that are swirling around in your head and things that you're thinking about and experiences and shit you read and fucking grievances and all sorts of stuff and that stuff like like almost like the way it comes out in a dream when you create artistically it like galvanizes and it turns into like a product that expresses itself through abstract shit on the uh, when and the product comes out of the oven right and so with like um like like with me, I go, yeah, because that's the way I write jokes. Some of them are kind of about stuff, but they're not deliberately about stuff. They just I just found them in my head and then they're about things that I think about. Right. That actually didn't make too complicated of a story, you know, out of it. Um, but with uh, wait, what the fuck were we talking about right before this? Um, 
Oh, with art, with, with like all there being all this like anti-trad art out there and all the stuff that we're talking about. I mean, same thing with like anti-capitalist art. Like so your Squid Game exists and you have all these dumbass Americans that your mic is off, by the way. Um, but you have all these dumbass Americans. <laughs> Good, that, I'm glad because I just yelled out, they love it. I know. <laughs> That's and what I like, yelled at. I'm like, oh, fuck. Sorry, continue. Well, Squid Game, it's like frustrating because you just like. Yeah. It's like the Dude, guy- Neil Brennan. I was thinking about Neil Brennan's <laughs> fucking tweet about. Uh, Parasite? Uh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. other day. Like I was like on the toilet and I was like, ah, good times. <laughs> the creators of these things are saying like this. I figured out why I made this. Clearly, it's me <laughs> dealing with capitalism. I'm from South Korea. It's it's a capitalist country. It's I'm making it about capitalism because we have capitalism here. There's, it, it's explained in the fucking show. Still, Americans will watch it and go, man, this guy hates North Korea. He made a movie yeah. about North Korea. And it's the same way. Or it's tra- like, look at this hero. He's like Americans. And then these guys are like, uh, I guess like the British. I don't know what fucking, I don't know what these Americans think this is. What the fuck? I almost really wish that Neil Brennan had sincerely explained to us what he thought it was. <laughs> right. Before everybody jumped on him so that we could know what they see <laughs> when they see these things. <laughs> I mean, because I, I need to know, Jake, like, I feel like to me, it's like a, they live glasses kind of thing. Yeah. Where I'm watching these movies where I'm like, yo, this is hilarious. This is amazing. This is on the nose. This is like telling you shit. Your kids should watch the shit at 10. So you fucking know. And then I fucking talk to a nerd who's like, Oh, it was like a beautiful cinematographical blah, 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 like uh, uh, about motherhood and uh, family. And I'm like, what? Yeah. What? Fuck. Insane. Oh. Insane. So, yeah, watch those two. But let's talk about old uh, because also, OK, I, I kind of was thinking about this because of uh, Father's Day was also uh, this weekend. And somebody made me laugh with a tweet that. It wasn't even a joke. It was like a regular person made a tweet that was kind of scathing, I guess. That was like, uh, they said something like, nobody warned me that becoming an adult was going to be seeing posts. Oh, hap- uh, no, praiseful Father's Day posts for men who I know actively make parenting and life harder for my friends on, on social media. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, totally. And... <laughs> God. And it's true, dude. And I'm like watching the show where I'm like, yo, I know, I know he's not there. <laughs> like, I know he's not helping you. I know he is not a considerate person. I have been on a trip in a hotel room with this person. He does not clean up after himself. That's like I a, guarantee you. I saw an ad for a pride show recently that's like yeah. uh, like a big like you know, queer comic thing. But like they booked a bunch of assholes on it. Straight people that bully people on the internet. Yeah. And it's like what huh <laughs> this is like contradictory mm-hmm. um and it's just insulting and fucking mind-bending to look at on the, the the twitter feed or whatever yeah so you know i think part of um like let's say like social media being stressful let's say for me i guess it stressed me out in the last couple of weeks and i guess we're getting to the point of how it stressed me out which is that that it, it kept showing me these contradictions, these um, things that I saw as hypocritical about people that I know and stuff like that. These things that seemed like they were like fracturing of things I know to be true. While watching like people like reinforce the idea that like my partner is a perfect husband and a perfect father and being a mom is wonderful and my child is perfect and fucking everything is great. And then I'm like watching all this art that is like, horror, blah. 
and like babies, <laughs> like people exploding, horrible shit. And I'm just like, oh shit, they're lying. Like they're stuck in this and they're so like part of what makes it a horror story for some of them. I'm not going to speak for it because I'm sure I will grant them the benefit of like, I'm sure there's people who are very happy with the choices that they have made. But um, I think a lot of people aren't. And I don't mean, I don't say this in a way to be like, ha ha ha, you're so stupid. I say this in a way to be like, it is not ever too late to be like, fuck, I fucked up. I would like to do something different. Um, there is a, I thought I talked about this on here, but I don't know. I heard a podcast with like one woman and there's somebody that I follow on Twitter that they're like, uh, basically they're moms who regret having kids. You know what I mean? Not like regret that their child exists, but they don't enjoy being moms. You get, yeah. you get me? So they have, they've dealt with it separately or differently, but they are people who have a podcast or who are writing a column about how they're dealing with it, which is confronting the shame and confronting the, uh, like who makes you feel shamed about it? Is it you that feels ashamed about how you don't like fucking waking up or changing your whole life to be about talking to a toddler instead of talking to professors and fucking people that you always used to spend your day with, you know, like mommy brain is real. You're happy with your brain being mush and not having real conversations with adult people for days at a time that makes you feel good. Okay, great. There are people that it doesn't make you feel good. You shouldn't be f made to feel guilty or like a shitty mother because you don't enjoy that life. There should be access to like, literally that's like what the Soviets were doing. And I was like, there should be access to like your whole entire life does not have to be this, especially when for the man, it's not usually that right. maybe the man feels it financially. Right. And in like a different social pressure of like, it better look like you are a good dad from the outside, but nobody really knows what the fuck you guys are doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. So all this to say that it just seems like social media, you know, like it frustrated me because it was showing me what I thought was hypocrisy and fractures and all of this stuff. But it's also like a good thing because I think it is, forcing some of us at least to bring those contradictions together and find a clear path forward, which doesn't mean, Oh, I never made a mistake. You know, like I, but because of my age and stuff, I date men who are divorced or men who used to be engaged or men, you know, who like almost went down the fucking up yeah. the escalator and hell yeah. They will often be like, I'm friends with them still. And they'll often be like, oh, dude, so do you hate me because I'm a trad? Because I got married? Because I had a kid? Because I was engaged? And I'm like, no, man. I think divorced people are cool as fuck. Uh, I think people who break an engagement are cool as fuck. It is much easier to get into something like that than it is to get out of it. Because society has been telling you since you were one years old <laughs> to go do that and that it is bad if it fails if it fails you're a failure if you're not good at it you're a failure if you don't love it every single day you're a failure so i'm saying that it's not that i'm saying it's fucking brave of you to fucking stand up and be like no this is not okay with me i'm not happy i'm not making you happy we need to figure something else out whether it's living apart, whether it's like stay having an open relationship, whether it's uh, whatever other framework you got to figure out so that you still find happiness while still providing whatever you already committed to providing like whatever the basics are that you need to, you need to figure that out. Um, and I think like 
this art, you know, I don't know anything about Aronofsky's life, for example. I don't know whether the people who are making these movies about how they feel like they are drowning in a hell of traditionalism, <laughs> what lives they've chosen. But I still feel like the message that they're trying to pass on is that it is not always perfect and rosy and it's not for everyone and you don't have to do it. And even if you do start to do it, you can run away, <laughs> you know, like, or you can change it. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm more frustrated now, I guess, with maybe the fact that I don't see as many of us caring or looking towards it or I, I still I still see so many people fighting for inclusion in tradition not for the destruction or not even destruction but not for the liberation from tradition yeah Does that makes sense yeah can yeah. I tell you something about tradition I figured out recently yeah okay so somebody challenged me to a Jordan Peterson debate uh recently and I mm -hmm. was like oh you know I know this guy's deal kind of but like I in order to do a debate I should watch it and you know figure out what he's all about actually instead of just doing the jokes we all know all, everyone yeah. on the left online world just talks about how he sounds like kermit the frog and he's into carl young and that's basically it right yeah. but basically um he is he's uh, into carl young <laughs> yeah well let me tell you about that he's um, oh that's so funny dude that's, i just want to say that that's very cute that's like that's like okay like you know the scream poster that like freshmen put in, put up in college yeah like the first artwork they identify with right 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 that's Carl Jung for, yeah. psych for psychology. It's, it's so cute. Like boondocks or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, he's a professor of psychology at a college yeah. in Canada. So oh, that makes my sense. God. Um, if you, uh, I mean, if you ever want to throw something on the background and have kind of a laugh, he debated uh, Zizek a couple years ago. And it's like. No way. Yeah. For he, real? Yeah. It was really funny. He bombed really hard. He clearly of didn't. Of course he did. He clearly read like half of the Communist Manifesto the night before <laughs> and like didn't read anything else. So he. He has this really stupid uh, straw man that he puts up as um, ne uh, postmodern neo-Marxism is like the thing that he says that's going to destroy everything. doesn't make any fucking sense. Um, but he also, because Marxism is like modern, it's not postmodern, whatever. But so his other thing, though, the Carl Jung thing is, um, so he is very reactionary and he's very against people that deviate uh people that are he's, he's obviously like a fucking anti-trans dumbass he's anti-queer everything he hates the libs he thinks uh people are pushing too hard and our natural tendency is within us it's archetypal like so if anyone's listening and you are uh haven't been to psychology 101 yet or whatever one of carl Jung's things yet, is that's uh, <laughs> i don't know sometimes <laughs> Do we have college students and, in the audience. Oh, cute guys. I maybe. Love it. Or you never did in college or whatever. You know, yeah. like Young's thing <laughs> is Young's whole idea was archetypes. And so he said throughout culture, the reason you see like these same myths uh, like repeated throughout, you know, all in all different parts of the globe without having interact with each other is because there's these natural things that become myths that we tell. And like the big, the reason he got really popular was in the uh, 70s when Star Wars came out, everyone went, holy shit, Star Wars is a bunch of archetypes. And then there's yeah. this thing called the hero's journey. Stolen from the Japanese. Okay. Yeah. And he said, yeah. That, well, he would argue, uh, no, it's parallel writing. Parallel writing <laughs> means something's true. It's an mm. archetype, right? Um, and so there's this natural story that everyone tells called the hero's journey and all stories can be reduced down to this and that's dan Harmon also kind of took this further and has a thing called story circle that makes the same argument right well 
what's going on. Uh, and I, uh, archetypes are fun. They're fun to think about. There are common things that humans take from their experiences and put into mythology. But what Jordan Peterson does with this is that he makes an argument because um, like his other thing is like lobsters. Yeah, it's just his famous quote where he was talking to somebody about how, um, you know, everyone wants to be, um, you know, modern and have sex, uh, you know, casually and be, you know, not in a tra trad relationship. Uh, but he's arguing, well, so it's natural though. There's, he's, he's saying, uh, somebody puts it to him that hierarchy isn't natural and that pay, like patriarchy isn't natural. And he says, oh, if you study lobsters in lobsters, they have like hierarchical <laughs> systems or whatever. So that's proof. Uh, from an and you know how we've always wanted to be lobsters. Right, right. You want to be a fucking lobster? What do you mean? Like, what, <laughs> like, what the fuck? It's really funny. His daughter is pretty hot. It's, a couple years ago for Halloween, she went as a lobster, like a hot lobster, and she like put oh, a picture out. And she, Louisa, there's a wonderful world of making fun of Jordan Peterson that you... you it's Wait, so she hates her dad? Uh, I can't remember where. It's, she. Oh, like, I just love all of this. I'm not sure. Man. She, But, um, well, so we get to my point, though. So he... Um, what he's doing with archetypes, though, it's really interesting because, like, I, I I remember reading Carl Jung. I think he's pretty interesting. I don't entirely throw out the idea of archetypes. I think they're no, I love him. I love him. He's really got cool, great right? stuff. It's just you know, shoo -shoo. It's <laughs> what he's doing is he's taking an argument from he's switching between subjective and objective and like his he's a man he likes certain parts of the patriarchy he's a white man right and that's his subjective experience with his his you know path in this world right but he's arguing that what humans do is in order to survive we take our subjective experiences and then we put them into tradition which is like we put them the into universal into myths and myths yeah. form tradition and so therefore because there are all these uh myths from like organized religion and stuff like that that are patriarchal that is an evolved like reflection of he's making it objective like you can't yeah. argue with it because we made it into a thing that isn't just a, a person arguing with you about their feelings it's a bunch of people having put together this thing but what he's yeah. doing that's really clever there and deceptive is like um you know not i mean he's right most tradition is mythology that is fucking right wing and patriarchal and stupid but not all of it um for every lobster you can fucking tell a story about like a matriarchal society those have existed on planet earth and stuff like that and uh and, and also like um you know that doesn't mean just because i mean it's a vestigial organ at this point just because people lived like that to a certain point you know he, he doesn't understand progress and like the idea of like uh human society you know evolving over time and stuff like that um or it just being possible to like the argument he's putting forth i mean i guess what i'm getting at is i figured out because a lot of people start with jordan peterson and they're like well he's just really into like um you know mysticism and science and <laughs> stuff like that and that, you know how Which does it the same as like oh she's just really into astrology right this is the the, the connection <laughs> i it, it's been a, it's been hard for me to really get math this out for the last few years because i always am like yeah why are crystal people also always nazis but this is it like this is why yeah the the <laughs> what they're describing eventually comes back to like traditions which right. are how nazi shit perpetuates itself it's how they make yeah. arguments and that's how they alienate and antagonize people that deviate from the traditions and that's bad for those people like it's that's what 
that's what fuels the fucking round them all up that fucking thinking or whatever yeah no i was um i kind of when i was like oh i'm so happy that i studied artists and whatever this is what i mean okay because to me exactly the, like i barely know anything about jordan peterson other than he's a douchebag and i shouldn't listen to him but yeah. like with everything that you just said to me what it comes down to is the problem of does art make the world or does, or does the world make art, right? Does the artist make the world or does the world make the artist? And it is not an or question. It's an and question. is Or the answer is an and answer, right? So to me, what was interesting about a Jung, and I will get back to Peterson, but what was interesting or not interesting, important about a Jung or a Freud, for example, was that in their time and place, their observations were insightful and groundbreaking, number one. So great. Nobody's saying that any of the things for their time were wrong or bad or can now be, you know, like thrown out with the bathwater or whatever. Yeah. But then more importantly than their insights, Jake, was the fact that so our culture, our dominant culture, clung to those insights and reproduced it and spread them and taught them in schools and then became, it became part of how we then started to form ourselves. You get me? So if you exist in a world where Freud and Jung are already people who are studied and who are talked about and your mom has read something in Cosmo about them and whatever the fuck, it starts to affect your understanding of self and how your ego and your id and your blah, blah, blah work. And all of this is because of the language created by these men that was then perpetuated by society and culture as a tradition that they're picking up, right. As they're as like knowledge that we're going to pass on. And the problem then becomes when somebody like Peterson comes along and is like, these great smart men, they were right in their time. And exactly what they said is exactly what we should be doing now, 200 years later. Right. Right. And it's the same exact thing as like the Nazis being like, oh, here's what a Roman wrote about how Germans were great and superior to everyone. And we're going to take it completely out of context and frame the entire like idea of our superiority on it. Yeah. 2000 years later. This is right? also part. I just remember the, the ultimate point yeah. I'm trying to make here. The, 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 cl the really clever dismount of this logic for him, I think, is that he's the subject of object. I think is really important because what he's doing is he's arguing since I can find all of these things that prove like my side of this thing mm -hmm. is uh, more established and agreed upon in what is ostensibly an objective thing, traditions yeah. and myths, then that therefore means Everything I feel is it's like when somebody tries the, to prove to you that God is real by quoting the Bible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, what they're doing is they're they're kind of it's like you're quoting the system that already says like makes this thing real as the the proof that it is real, but without the system that made it. And I think why he's so attractive to young shitty men and you know some women and. Uh, and himself, his own ideas are attractive to himself. All this stuff is self-perpetuating because that argument essentially means that, you know, those grievances and those weird feelings you have about new things that are tr challenging the tradition. Uh, you know how they make you feel weird? Well, that weird feeling you have, that dislike you have of it is natural because 
you are on the right side of ideology. That's you knowing that you know that this thing has your back all along, and that you are part of the 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 side of the history of humanity that has always been right or whatever. And like, that, I mean, that's it's appealing to comics because comics are totally. constantly trying to release this libidinal thing of like, hey, aren't we all pissed off about this? But we yeah, can't but fucking the, talk about it. But that's what I don't get. It shouldn't be comforting to comics because comics are supposed to be destabilizing that comfort but it's not fun <laughs> what's fun is relaxing mm. and kicking your heels up on somebody else's fucking back right and being like the king's fool who makes fun of whoever the king wants to make fun of so then you get more grapes right yeah is that the deal <laughs> totally. got it yeah well you know i guess you can't and that's what i mean to, to bring it back to ape fest and to amy schumer <laughs> I do think, you know, that is up to you. Um, I, Actually, I'm not that work- cynical. I do think you can do comedy and have it function and not be like that. But I think it's why it's so popular. I do too. No, I do As too. a function in capitalism. Like, yeah. That's the, the only one that fucking, that's what the audience wants to fucking hear because they're not comics. They're not trying to challenge yeah. ideas. They just want to hear, I'm right. Fun. It's, it's- yeah, they just want to be soothed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and that's why... Um, I guess uh, one of the things I'm personally working on is being like less condescending because I don't really mean to be. I'm really trying to say things without judgment. And one of the main things is like, there is no one way of being anything. You know what I mean? So the reality is that there are multiple ways of being an artist, which uh, ranges all the way from I'm going to be a pure boy who like never, ever puts a dollar value on my art. So I'll do another job that never touches on it and you can never pay me money. And then I'll always be an edgelord and I'll fucking do whatever the fuck I want and never quote succeed in the mainstream with your art all the way to I'll do whatever I have to do to be the biggest and get the most money. And in the middle, there's a bunch of people who are every day negotiating the li- where the line is with those things and some days they're compromising one way to pay the bills and some days they're compromising the other way to satisfy their artistic needs and both of those things have positives and negatives and that's all it is and that's what life is and I guess what I uh, advocate for is the idea that there is no stable ground you know like there is no I I've got here and everything's fine now. Like, I don't know how else to say it to people. Like, look at Chris Rock getting slapped, Amy Schumer doing the ape fest. Like, this is all signs of like, yeah, there is no, you just get to some top thing and everything's fine forever after that. Yeah. Every single day for the rest of your life, if you're an artist, honestly, if you're a person who cares, who cares to, you have to make decisions that are moral, that are ethical, that are about, where the line is drawn for you between what capitalism demands of you and what you demand of yourself, what your family and society and culture demand of you and what you expect of yourself and what you need to be happy. And like, if you need, um, I don't know, fucking enough time to go fishing because that's your passion and your family doesn't understand that, that I don't, I don't know. You need to be the person who decides at what point do I give up? what do I give up to be whatever everybody wants me to be? Because that's what being responsible and grown up and blah, 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 and traditional and a good man and a good woman is. And at what point do you go for, I'm going to be brave and courageous and go for the things I want, 
but not to the extent that I destroy every relationship in my life and every possibility for making a living. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. You know what I mean? So precarity, I guess, is our natural state under capitalism is what I want to say. And every, every time you're told, hey, the comfort's over here. It's over here. If you just get a partner, if you just move in with somebody, if you just have a baby with them, if you just move back home, if you just do work in the company with your dad, like all these things, all these things that are like the carrot promising you stability and you'll have to, you get to stop running on the wheel and you get to stop fighting. That is the lie. Precarity is the eternal reality under capitalism. And until you realize that, then you're not really living. You're just like pretending that you can get away from real life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah so I don't know. Oh, I man. feel really great, but I feel like I really make people down every time I talk to them. <laughs> well, it's like you've, I mean, we're bummers, you know, because we yeah. show up and we're like, hey, you want to talk about the world for what it actually is? And people are like, <laughs> no, I'm trying to avoid all of this by engaging in pursuit of pleasure. In, yeah. Which is weird because like, I know people like give me shit over like being a, a hedonist, a, a drunk or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Uh, but like that same shit, you being on but they, pursuing, pursuing your career pleasure. in a certain way. I mean, it's, it's kind of, isn't it? No, they're pursuing approval. Sure, but that's, you know, that's a it is a type drug. of pleasure, <laughs> but you got to understand that that pleasure then is is completely you're putting your pleasure in somebody else's hands completely like you're making it. You can't ever be happy unless it's someone else is happy with you. I know, but I and that's bad. I'm reducing this all the way back to the yeah. Lacan idea or whatever of just or the the weird uh, postmodern. What do you call it? Uh, Post structuralist idea of like the lack, like all of yeah. this all these various different types of pleasure yeah. and approval and like sense of the idea that there is a stasis that you get to is like yeah. those fucking guys that I don't barely understand refer to it as the lack. And then like Buddhists yeah. talk about how like, yeah, you always have the lack. Uh, Buddha really? talked about how, you know, the only way around that isn't to fucking, you can, you can never fill your head. Right. So yeah. you got to like do this other thing to completely get yourself to stop caring about it or whatever. And I also don't really understand that because I don't understand Buddhism or whatever, but like I, where I'm at is I I could see us all doing it and I could see that me cracking another beer and somebody justifying their fucking, you know, I'm going to step over for my dad dead or, body yeah, have another kid. Yeah. Or do a Nazi podcast or whatever. Yeah. Like, these are kind of the same thing. And isn't that fucked up? But I think mine's less worse. I think. Uh, well, I think it is less worse, but this is why. Okay. Because um, you could say that people who are hedonists, they are avoiding the responsibility of uh, seeking approval by finding pleasure somewhere else. So if you're like a rat in a maze, that get you can press the red button, you can make it through the maze and press the red button and you get a pellet. So you're like, great, this is a great thing that I can do. Or you can not move at all. Don't do the maze. <laughs> and you can press this green one and it gives you whiskey. <laughs> and technically you failed, right? The fucking thing. But you're cool with it because you're like, I'm enjoying life. Well, right? I also read a book so about the rat how there's no end of the maze. The, yeah, but so then the rat who does the maze and gets to the end and gets the pellet is like, whoa, that guy's an alcoholic. I can't believe he can't even get up and do his job and get here and get the red pellet, <laughs> you know? <laughs> 
But the rat pressing the green button is like, wow, you're a fucking tool. You're such a loser. I can't believe you work for the man. <laughs> you're going to go run and press the red button for him just to get a fucking pellet. Yeah. Both of those are valid fucking things. I just think you need to see that uh, there are different versions of pleasure, right? And a lot of the people who are seeking a pleasure via approval, they don't get pleasure at the end, Jake. Like they are still, you, you hear them talk about how no matter how much they try, it's not enough for their dad or their boss still hates them or their wife still thinks they don't make enough money or, you know, their wife is still like, why don't you quit doing stand up and get a real job or what, you know, like they still just always feel like it's not enough. Right. When you see Amy Schumer doing Ape Fest, you're yeah. like, why? But it's like, yeah, it never stops. She's got to pay for that house. Yeah, exactly. You got to pay for all this shit. So there's always a thing asking for, from you. So if you remove yourself from that and you do find pleasure in other things, including drugs and alcohol and sex and friendships and other pursuits, then that draw of like getting the serotonin from getting approval lessens, like the power over you lessens. Totally. You can find something else, which is not to say, hey, go do drugs. I mean, I am saying go do drugs and alcohol, but I'm not saying that they're the solution. I'm just saying that I think that the similarity of like we are seek pleasure seeking, that's where that is. But the fact that we are seeking it, one group is seeking it from the system and the tradition and the every like as is the status quo. And one group is desperately seeking to get away from it, even to the point of sometimes doing harm to ourselves by doing drugs and alcohol and shit. But my point is also that the people who follow the traditional shit, they are also sometimes doing harm to themselves. You know, they love to be like, oh, well, you're fucking this old and you're not married and you still do acid at this age or whatever the fuck. And it's like, yeah, you're also my age and you're miserable and you are taking drugs for like a uh, high blood pressure and fucking getting drunk every night because you don't like your husband and like all this shit where you are also harming yourself every day yeah. because you hate the path that you chose. So don't be superior about how you think I'm harming myself seeking pleasure because those of you seeking approval to get pleasure also are harming yourself. Yeah, you're also harming a lot of other yeah. people if you're exactly. doing the career. Whereas we're not. <laughs> I mean, some of us are, but not me. <laughs> I don't drive, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't drive. I don't have kids. I'm not beating anybody up when I drink. <laughs> you know, I'm like, worst thing I do is throw out a mean tweet here and there. Yep. That's a good time. Mm -hmm. um, we never talked about the fucking old movie. I don't know if we're ever going to get to it. Oh, can you believe it? <laughs> this that should just be the theme of our thing that we just... Um, <laughs> Keep talking about how we're going to talk about old, uh, but maybe we can just do it for the Patreon. So, you know, if you want to hear us talk about the movie old and praise M. Night Shyamalan and tell you how you're wrong for hating on him. At least that's what I plan to do. Uh, sign up for our Patreon because also it will help Jake be a free artist and go and be drunk and seek pleasure in places other than approval places. Uh, sign off on that. Join our Patreon.com. And also for me, it would help me take trips and feel good about not being a trad. If you Love sign it. up for a Patreon and give me money, I promise I will never do an NFT ape. <laughs> I promise I will never have a child or get married. <laughs> and you can come to me forever, even if you have children or get married, because I won't judge you. I'll still love you. Okay. Okay. Uh, do you want to plug anything? Uh, oh, I'm doing Gabe's show. I'm doing Fun House next Ooh. month, July 20th at Pete's Candy Store. Um, oh, I'll go. I love hanging at Pete's. 
I'll put the stuff up. Uh, and that's cool. it. I'm hunkering down. I don't know. I'm not really Me too, anything. man. And I think it's okay. Um, I think it's okay. Uh, you know, one of the things ugh, I'm going to, I'm going to do, I'm going to throw in a little extra COVID rant here real quick, but um, I am having a real anger moment with uh, Americans and American media and how we love to just hear the first half of a headline and repeat that like crazy and just forget about the second half. Uh have you heard about how people are like, uh, oh, well, it turns out that uh, with Omicron, it's less likely that you will get long COVID. Have you heard this? No. <laughs> okay. Well, some of these dummies that are, are out here being like, oh, well, you know, it's fine that we don't have to wear masks and we don't have to do anything now because Omicron is resulting in less cases of long COVID, right? So it is true that if you get Omicron, it is less likely that you will get long COVID than if you got one of the previous strains. <laughs> But more people get Omicron than any of the previous strains, which means that by numbers, more people will get long COVID than yeah. they got with the previous strains. Right, because more people are getting it. Yes, dummies. So then I just like see these people. I had a friend, honestly, love you. Oh, I'm actually drinking the whiskey that you got me for my birthday. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. This moron got COVID <laughs> at my show. Because he didn't wear a mask. And I'm like running the show and I'm wearing a mask and I'm watching all these people in the audience not wear a mask in a tight ass fucking show with 200 people watching comedy. And then a, a three days later, he's got COVID. I'm like, yeah, of course you do. Of course you do. So right. thank you for the whiskey. Uh, Sorry, you're the Louisa called you a dumbass. I drank some of the whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> Love you. You know who you are. Oh, also happy birthday to Brady. Yeah, let's say it. Fan, right. friend. Uh, Love him. I mean, we just live in mask world forever, though. They're not going to do anything about COVID. <laughs> it's no, they're not going to do anything, but I am trying not to get it for as long as I can. You haven't gotten it, right? Not that I know of. Not I, that I know of, right? I've gotten Same sick exact. like a couple times and then uh, tested negative, but I don't know. Yeah. But I got really, 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 really sick before it was a thing, and I think that Me was too. COVID, yeah. and I think that was why. I, I kind of think... Uh, so, I, those I got, of us who aren't getting it, we got the first one, right? I got the first COVID or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But I don't know. Fucking, I don't I know. I think so, too, because I never get sick, and I had like a fucking 10-day, like, I think I'm going to die. Like, people had to send me food and everything. Yeah, it was, was the like, sickest I've ever been yeah. in my life. I had to, yeah. I had to Uber myself Same. to the hospital. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, for me, I've got, we're doing a pizzazz twice this month. So come see us July 5th. At Baby's All Right, if you're in Brooklyn, it's $10. Um, it's Gary Goldman's show. He's hosting. I think this month we have uh, Mike Drucker, Joe Firestone, and Zilla Vodness. So come by. It'll be a fun time. It's at 7 p.m. on a Tuesday. Super chill. Um, check out my pinned tweet. <laughs> Copy and Jake okay. for information. I'll put it in the show it. notes. Remember, did you see Max's tweet where he said, I want a girl with a short skirt and long COVID? <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that pandering to me? Max, I love you. Yep. I love her. I we, love love, her. we love you, Max. All right, let's get yeah. the fuck out of here. Bye. Bye. Recording stopped.